So uh, we have been in a series on the women of Christmas, and today we're going to study uh, a prophet named Anna, and a pretty, pretty amazing uh, a lady that we're going to learn about. So I'm going to read starting in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22, and it goes like this. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation." There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. And you'll notice there's a little note next to that in your Bible. We'll talk about that later. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Verse 39, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Amen. So let's look through some verses in this passage, and there's some, some, really, uh, some really neat nuggets that, that I feel like the Lord wants us to, to delve into today. Uh, verse 24 is the first one. If we look in the book of Leviticus and we look at what sacrifices were required for dedicating a child to the Lord, it says a lamb, unless a couple can't afford that, and then they can get a pair of turtle doves or a pair of pigeons. Mary and Joseph were poor, and yet they brought the Lamb of God into the temple. I think it's pretty incredible to just think about, you know, how humble they were, and yet they brought the greatest sacrifice ever. Amen. Uh, jumping down to verse 36... Uh, Anna is the only female prophet named in the New Testament. So she's very special. There are others named as prophetesses uh, or called prophetesses, but we don't know who they are. Um, So there are four daughters of a certain guy, and they're not named. They're just in there. Um, But it's interesting. Her, Her dad's name means face of God. And then she literally got to see the face of God before others did. Uh, Very few people in Scripture are called out by their tribal name. So for some reason, it says she was from the tribe of Asher. 
And there's a blessing to the tribe of Asher. In Deuteronomy 33, it says, Your strength will equal your days, which may have related to her age and the promise to the tribe of Asher back then. Uh, the book of Amos says that surely the Lord does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. And so it was revealed to Simeon, it was revealed to Anna, and they were in a position to hear. And, and it's, there's a really neat um, Hebrew tradition that those prophets and those older people who are around the temple all the time were called the quiet ones. And so they were always listening for the voice of the Lord, and these two fit into that category. And so they were ready to hear what the Lord would say and ready to respond and ready to show up and, and see that, that the Messiah had come. And then they were ready to speak to others. I think it's interesting that prophets were called the quiet ones, and yet their job was primarily speaking. Right? But before they spoke, they were doing what? They were listening and hearing, what would the Lord have me say? Verse 37 has something really interesting to me. There are two ways to read Anna's age. So what some of our translations say is that she was 84 years old, but the other reading of this is that she lived 84 years after her marriage. And I think that's probably the preferred reading because our author, Luke, makes it a really big deal that here she is this old. If she was 84, there would have been a lot of 84-year-old people around who went to the table, temple sometimes and prayed and and did this or that. But I think what he was saying was, hey, wait a minute, slow down, notice, this lady is up there in age. And so if we do that math, if we say that she was married, you know, um, in mid or late teens, married for seven years, then alive for 84 years after that, that puts her in the like 107, 108 year old category. Now we have something to notice. Now we're saying, wait, wow. And so she's waiting around for God's solution to the sin problem on planet Earth. And she's worshiping the Lord until it happens. It's pretty wild. So um, it says that she never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So when she lost her husband it would have been natural to become bitter and disillusioned and say, why did that happen? And she could have become a pretty sad older lady. And this story would have never happened for us. But instead, she directed her attention at the Lord. And in a way, the Lord became her husband. And so she trusted him. She spent every day with him, literally, going to the temple and getting to know him better. I think it's interesting to, uh, that Anna had a really hard life and especially 2,000 years ago, the, the plight of a woman uh, who was a widow was very difficult. And, and so she didn't have a way of earning an income, and hopefully she had a family to you know, care for some of her needs, but we don't know anything about a family. Evidently, there were no kids. There's no support system. And so she's just free-floating in this culture. Uh, and then she ends up um, worshiping the Lord anyway, in spite of all that, all that tough stuff. Um, this is our first point that, that I, I want to camp on for just a minute. I believe that real worship happens not when we gather on Sundays and raise our hands. I think that real worship is something deeper than that. 
Now, that can be corporate worship. That can be powerful. That can be wonderful. You can listen to Air One in your car and raise your hands on the, hopefully one hand on the freeway, not two. Um, that's fine. But there's something about a deeper level of worship that happens in real life, in real time, and especially when things are hard. So if, if we are able to say, Lord, I praise you, Lord, I notice you, Lord, I worship you no matter what, that's a life of worship. And it's not just when things are good, when things are easy, when I'm happy, but when things get difficult and when, when it hits the fan, I'm able to say, Lord, you are still in charge and I'm still going to look to you. Worship is really paying attention to who God is. And the word worship means worth-ship, to give worth to him uh, no matter what. So, so I think rather than we just charge ahead and learn more about Anna, how about if we take a minute and just notice the Lord? So just slow your mind, slow your heart down for just a minute, and we're going to pay attention. So think about who he is. Who is the Lord to you? Think about what he has done in creation, in history, in your life, in your family, in providing for you. Think about all the things he's done for you that you haven't even noticed, that you haven't thanked him for yet. Point your thoughts to him. Point your heart to him. Just notice. Say, Lord, thank you for being you. And you are you whether I notice you or not. <laughs> you are still ruling all of creation. And thank you for being you. Thank you for providing a Messiah. Thank you for providing salvation. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this, the beautiful day outside. Thank you for you. And I also want to encourage you, even in that moment, you might be just temporarily thinking about him, but your real attention goes to something that's happened in the past. Some hurt, some injury, something that's not fair, something that's not good. Or your attention goes to the future of, hey, I'm worried about this. Oh, I'm great. Lord, I can focus on the Lord right now, but as soon as I get out that door, it's going to be this worry or this hurt. And so I want to just encourage us to stop that pattern and say, Lord, you're more important than what has happened in the past, and you're more important than my worry about the future. So, Lord, help me to see you. Help me to notice you. Help me to worship you all through Christmas and on into 2024, and may I be more like this lady who noticed you. Amen. Amen? And just remember, everybody, he is with you. There are times when it doesn't feel like it. There are times when it doesn't add up, but he is with you. According to this book, he is always with us. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I Googled that last week. That's a, that's a verb you can Google, right? So... Um, but I, I looked up how many times the scriptures say he will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a whole bunch. And it says it different ways in different books, Old Testament, New Testament, all over the place, because we need to hear it. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Um, but sometimes we get so caught up in our stuff that we don't see his face and we can't feel his hand. And uh, I heard a story that, um, that gave this a little... Um, um, a little insight for me. 
uh, happened a few years ago on Christmas. There was a guy who announced divorce to his wife and one child on Christmas Day. Not a, not a yeah, that's not, not the right thing. <laughs> makes, makes a bad situation worse. And so obviously the, the wife was mourning this loss and this, this new you know, uh, change in their life and in their family. And then after about four or five days of sadness, their four-year-old daughter went, went up to mom and said, uh, okay, mommy, um, it's, that's enough of sadness, and now it's time for songs and pancakes. I think that's just, like, beautiful to me because out of the mouth of a little child is like, yeah, this is sad, but we don't have to stay there. And, and, and Christmas brings hope and joy and peace because the message of Christmas isn't, you know, lights and gifts and all that. It's salvation. It's, it's a, a do-over for, for planet Earth and for human beings. So, so the message of Christmas brings us joy that's even, even beyond the, the, the downer of divorce or other things that will hit us. Amen? Amen. So whatever you've been through, whatever season you're in right now, he's God. And he's worthy of our worship. And if you put your focus on him, guess what? You will be able to get through the thing. If your focus is not on him, I don't know if I'm going to bet on you or the thing. But if your focus is on him, I'm going to bet on, on you getting through the thing with his help. That's just how, that's how real life works. So Anna has decades of prayer and fasting and worship. And she was probably thin from all the fasting. She was probably fit because she was like, you know, she wasn't um, sitting at home in the lap of luxury. She was worshiping the Lord, praising him, probably talking with the people that were there every day. Her mind and her sight were still intact. And she was discerning and obedient even to the end of her life. I was thinking about how spunky she probably was. And, and uh, how many of you know Crystal, who's part of our church? So her grandmother uh, passed away last week. I got to do her service on Thursday. She lived to be 101. Pretty, and her mom lived to be 100. That's pretty amazing. But here, here's the thing I didn't know, is when she was 96 years old, she went to see the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and, and she commented on Mick Jagger's moves. So this lady was spunky, even in her 90s, and I will bet you that Anna was not some tired old lady when she found the family and when she was talking about the consolation, the rescue of Israel. She was full of life. And, and she models aging really well. And so I'm, I am really excited that we are a church that is very diverse in age, that we are multi-generational. I think that is a sign of massive strength and potential. And especially these days, it seems like some churches are all old people, and some churches are all young people, and some churches, you know, they don't turn the lights on, it's just all dark and scary in there. Um, but I, but I, feel like, I feel like you have so much potential because you, of your diversity in age. And when we get to heaven, it's going to be like that, right? I mean, we're all going to have to, you know, put up with each other forever. So it's, it's good for us to start that now. 
But I think, I think Anna is a model of aging well. And, and she just sets this, this pretty amazing example. She was waiting on God. She wasn't waiting on vacation or the next purchase. She was focused on him, not on hobbies. And she was saying, Lord, what's next? What do you want to do with my life? And I feel like in my life, I have two different kinds of older people. Some people get it, and, and they want their life to matter. And they're figuring out, how can my life matter? And others have, in a way, given up and said, they're kind of like has-beens. And I don't think there are any has-beens in the kingdom of God. Um, there's a guy named Howie Hendricks who talked about the golden years being the most important years because now you're pouring into others. You're not just pouring into yourself. You're not just uh, helping your family and your business. And now your eyes become, who, what about this next generation? And he actually says that you're an overpass that helps this generation get to the next one. That's kind of a cool picture. Um, and then Bob Beal, who's a, um, like a, a life coach, he wrote about how, um, how our lives should not be defined by retirement, but about refocusing. So it's not about ignoring that there's a change happening, but it's about what am I going to do next? What am I going to do now? And, um, and somebody wrote, Buford wrote about success to significance. So now you've been a success, that's awesome. Now what are you going to do for the kingdom? Now that that season is done, what are you going to do kingdom-wise? So Anna spent all her time in the temple uh, on, on into her, her older years, and she likely lived in a small room uh, inside or just outside the court of the women. And so if you look at Herod's temple, which was built over the, the site of Solomon's temple, and we studied when we did our OGs of the OT series, Solomon's temple was destroyed, and then there was a new temple that was, that was built right, right in the same area, and then Herod took that temple and tricked it out and made it bigger and, and more impressive. But it's the same temple that, um, that Nehemiah would have been walking around in, Ezra would have been walking around in, and then Jesus would have been walking around in. And if you notice over on the right where the big arrow is, is the women's courtyard. And so that is where Anna would have spent her entire, you know, last part of her life, most of her life. And that's an area of about 1,600 by 1,000 feet. So that's not very far. But that was okay for her. She really didn't need much more than that because that's where she met with the Lord. I have a feeling that Psalm 27 was part of her worship regularly. And I'll show you what I mean. Check, check these words out. It says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. And then there are other verses in between, but look at, look at this one, verse 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that just, ring, that just like grabbed me. I was like, sh she's thinking about God's salvation. She's thinking about the nation of Israel being rescued. She's thinking about the Messiah coming and seeing it in her lifetime. And I will bet you she was hanging on. You know how some people, they get older in their lives and they're waiting for something to happen before they go to be with the Lord. I think she, just like Simeon, was waiting for this moment. Something's coming, and I hope this is what it is. And, and then the Lord gave her this great gift of seeing the Christ child. Amen. So, so I think about us, and, 
and it it inspires me when I when I read about Anna, and it also makes me a little bit discouraged because I'm I'm thinking I wish we were more like her. I wish I was more like her. I wish I was less distracted by this other stuff, and I was able to just spend more time with the Lord listening and more time hearing what he says and more time passing on what he says to, to others. What if people saw you with that level of passion and desire for God? Where they're like, you know, you spend too much time with, you know, with praying and you spend too much time at church and you spent, and, but what if they saw you as somebody that those things made you different in a great way. You have peace, you have joy that they don't have. And they say, Naomi, what's your secret? You know, and you're able to say, I, you know, I don't really have a secret. It's not a secret at all. I, I just like to be with the Lord. That would be pretty intriguing, right? And they're like, well, tell me more about that, right? Or maybe they don't want to hear anything right now, but they'll come back when things aren't going well. And they'll be like, remember when you said you spent time with the Lord? Can you tell me? I want to do that. Can you teach me? And, and I believe that God is, is placing us in this community at this time because um, he wants us to be ready when people have questions, when they go through hard times, when, when things are not working out. And, and they're, they're going to come and find you because you seem to be okay when things are not. Right? Okay. So, so I want to be as close as God, with God as possible, just like her. I want to spend my time worshiping the Lord with my words and with my actions. We all know people that are good at worshiping the Lord with their words, but not with their actions, right? The world has enough of those. We need to be, yes, Lord, I follow you, and I'm going to show it with what I do, not just with showing up on Sundays. Amen. Um, and if, I believe if the Caneo Valley was full of people like that, and it was so obvious where people could go for hope, that the church of Christ would grow like crazy in our area. Amen. Uh, and, and I just wonder sometimes if the only thing holding revival back is us and, and me. I mean, I'm part of us, right? And so, so I, I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I want to be growing and learning and worshiping and listening and so that people can, can come with me to follow him. Right on. So look at verse 38. Her response after she saw the Messiah was two things. First, she thanked God. She was stoked. She said, wow, this is the day, right? right and this is a day like no other day. Check this out. And then she told everybody. So I, I feel like this is a great picture for our lives as well. Gratefulness and, and then sharing the good news about what's happening. And, and so she, would, she told everybody around, whoever would listen, um, I love that she was old and she was bold. And, uh, and I love how her life was focused on God and on his message. And then she shared it. She was not bashful. She was not hesitant. She was ready to share just immediately. It doesn't, doesn't say, and then she figured it out later, and she, God put her on this little preaching tour. No, immediately she saw him. She thanked God, and she's like, hey, everybody, look. Do you know who this is? Like, do you know who this baby? Hey, every, come here. And she gathered all of those who were waiting for God's rescue, and she told them all about this little child and what it meant that he was here on the planet now. And she knew it in her knower, 
And then she went and expressed it so that they could know it as well. Amen? Amen. So I want to have the band come up as I wrap up this, this last idea. So her focus was clear. She's focused on worshiping the Lord. She's focused on living for him, right? Listening to him. But I want to just ask you to just get real for a second and just say, just picture your own life. What are you focused on right now? And for me, to be honest, I would say, well, I'm focused on a lot of things. So some of those things are not as important as others, right? So let's say that I'm focused on the right five things, but I have them in the wrong order. My, my life is not going to be as productive, as fruitful, as peaceful, as joyful as if I'm focused on the right things in the right order. Does that make sense? So if we're like, yes, I, am, I love Jesus and I want to do what he wants me to do, but I have these four things ahead of him right now in my life. But I think that we need to just slow the train down a little bit and say, Lord, show me my life. What am I really focused on? And, and not a guilt trip, not a, you know, the Lord, the Lord doesn't, um, doesn't condemn us and get in our face and say, you know, Rob, you've really been blowing it like, you need to, well, you're, you probably can't get together because the shaking finger is not usually the Lord. That's, that's your enemy. Conviction comes like this. Hey, Rob, let's, you can have more focus. You could have more joy. I want you, your life to be more full of me, the Holy Spirit says. And come on, let's do this together. And so I believe the Lord wants to invite us into a life of more focus on him, more listening, more worship. And that doesn't mean that you become more churchy and more religious, more weird. That's not, that's not what it is. I, 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 the way I read Anna, there's not much about her, but the way I read her, she would be somebody I would want to hang out with. I would want to learn from her. And, and I believe that the Lord wants to ask each of us, what is our priority? What's our focus right now? And is our focus in the right place? So just, just start there and just have that conversation with the Lord and say, Lord, where is my focus? And are we focused on past pain or future worries? Or are we focused on walking with the Christ of Christmas now? And it's easy to get tied up in past or future and not say, Jesus, what do you have for me this week? Who do you want me to encourage this week? Who do you want me to walk beside? Who do you want me to reach out to? right now and I believe the Lord will show us and and here's the other thing if your life is focused on Christ and you, many of us in this room or many of us online would say yeah you know I finally <laughs> I feel like finally my life really is focused on Christ does anybody know it and and I love Anna's example of hey I'm going to tell you guys you're not going to believe this great news and, and I believe that the, the way that she expressed it was so compelling and real and personal and, and, uh, and it was in the moment that it, it did not come across churchy and religious and strange to people. I think they were excited to hear it. And, and there's something that God wants to do in us and through our lives where we're able to express our love for Jesus in real, practical ways, compelling ways where people want the Jesus that we know, right? 
Not the Jesus we've heard about, um, but the Jesus that we walk with. So, so I have two thoughts about this um, as, as we aim towards Christmas. And um, I think I'm going to share that after we take communion. But just about how we're going to share, share our faith and how we're going to share our life in Jesus over the holidays. Um, but we're going to celebrate communion now. And, and I want to just encourage you as you come up to, as you come up to the table, um, and on, in the center is gluten-free and on the edges is not, and the little um, to-go uh, communion containers are gluten-free as well, just for your edification. Uh, and we're doing intinction if you have not been to Caneo before, and that means dipping. So you're going to grab a piece of bread, you're going to give thanks to the Lord for what it means, and you're going to dip it. And you can sit around up here, you can go back to your seat, you can kneel, you can just spend some time with the Lord, whatever you want. But here's the question as you come and take communion. Lord, are you my focus? And Lord Jesus, I want you to be my focus. And Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth at Christmas. And I understand what that means. And I'm so grateful for who you are. But just focus in on communion. Focus in on the Christ of communion. Don't see this as a religious obligation or a religious ceremony. See this as meeting with Jesus and telling him thank you. And so while the band plays this last song, I want to just encourage you to come up and take communion when you're ready. And then over here on that side, the connect cards and the offerings all get dropped off. And just spend some time in prayer and reflection, spending some time with the Lord, listening and thanking him. This is your time with him. And then I'll be back with you when we're done, okay?